Earlier this summer, I was doing my best to record homilies and reflections the Sunday Gospels, but of course, the past several weeks, there's been a fair amount of chaos, and I haven't been able to really sit down and reflect and to share my reflections of the Gospels, but things are, at least for now, getting back to normal, so I figured I would sort of offer a few reflections on the Gospel of today, um, of this 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time. I have a friend of mine who, on occasions, sends me things that she finds on the internet. And recently, she sent me a number of these litanies written by a young woman. Her name is Hannah Marie Jimma Fauerbaugh. She has an Instagram page called Wholeheartedly Han. Not like Han Solo, but obviously probably... Hannah Marie is a Catholic young woman uh, who writes these just wonderful litanies. Um, you know, we think of the litany of Loretto or the litany of the Sacred Heart. And she writes some very unique ones. Um, the litany of joy, the litany of freedom, the litany of gratitude and refuge. But the one that really struck me is one that she calls the litany of the chosen. Now, looking at it and the theme of the litany, chosen means that it appears that we are chosen. We are chosen in Christ. We are chosen to follow him. We're chosen to be his beloved. And so the litany of the chosen goes through a number of different uh, things that we pray for, call out, and ask Jesus to call us out in them. But there's one that really specifically touched me or came to mind when I read it. Um, and it is that I cannot disqualify myself from my purpose. And the response for this part is, here I am, Lord, I will go. I cannot disqualify myself from my purpose. Now, what does this seem to, to, to be or what does this seem to mean? And the way I understand it is, it really is coming against a lie that we often can tell ourselves, that when we sin or when we make a mistake, that somehow whatever mission or purpose or thing we were chosen for in our life, the Lord is going to say, I've had enough. You've messed it up this time. You've just really screwed up. You've disqualified yourself. I'm going to take this away from you, and I'm going to find someone else. You just go find somebody to amuse yourself. It's a lie. And so it is sort of couched in here with another lie that comes right before it, one that I think that people often tell themselves, is that I am not too much or too little to do your good. And again, praying that the Lord can show us that we're chosen, that we're sent, and so it's this lie, though, or this phrase, that I somehow can disqualify myself from my purpose, and that to come against that lie and to believe that this simply is not possible, that we believe that, again, if we've made this mistake, we're going to screw it up. So how can we sort of overcome this, or how can we, let's say, move beyond it? And I think this is where the gospel becomes so important, how 
we can tie it to it. We're hearing today, of course, Peter, who, who loves the Lord so much, who confesses that, yes, Jesus, you are the Messiah, but then right after goes and puts his foot in his mouth, not wanting Jesus to go and pick up the cross and to suffer. And so Christ looks at him and rebukes him, get behind me, Satan. It's one of so many different accounts that we see in the scriptures where Peter, well-intentioned, messes up. You know, here's Peter cutting off the ear of someone. Peter saying, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Peter, the one who walks on water, but then begins to sink and to drown. Peter is always messing up. Peter is always sinning. Peter is always falling. And of course, the greatest one is towards the end, where he denies knowing Jesus even three times. And all the mistakes that Peter makes, all the sins that he commits, not once does Jesus ever say, I've had enough with you, Peter. That's it. You are not going to be able to be Pope any longer. You have disqualified yourself from the purpose that I've given you. This never, ever happens. Now, you imagine that maybe Peter is tempted to think, particularly after Christ's death. Oh, boy, when he encounters Jesus, and Jesus is going to sit here and remonstrate with him and said, finally, Peter, you've done it. I've had enough with you. You need to hit the bricks. But that's not how Jesus deals with it. Even though Peter sins, not once does Jesus say, you've disqualified yourself. And so there are a couple of actually times that Pope Francis has talked specifically about Peter and about the mistakes that Peter had made, the sins that he committed, and how Jesus, instead of saying, you've disqualified yourself, I'm finding someone else, continues to support Peter and continues to show him his love. And so I'll give you two of the ones that, that really stand out and I think have become very important. I've given, as we'll see, talks on this before. And so Pope Francis says, quote, let us also remember Peter. Three times he denied Jesus, precisely when he should have been closest to him. And when he hits rock bottom, he meets the gaze of Jesus, who patiently, wordlessly says to him, Peter, don't be afraid of your weakness. Trust in me. Peter understands. He feels the loving gaze of Jesus, and he weeps. How beautiful is this gaze of Jesus? How much tenderness is there? Brothers and sisters, let us never lose trust in the patience and mercy of God. The Lord is tremendously patient with us. He doesn't give up on us, no matter how much we mess up. He sees that we're trying to do the right thing. Pope Francis also talks about Peter when he says, quote, Peter was a sinner, but not corrupt. Sinners, yes, everyone corrupt, no. I once knew of a priest, a good parish pastor who worked well. He was appointed bishop, and he was ashamed because he did not feel worthy. He had a spiritual torment, and he went to the confessor. The confessor heard him and said, but do not worry. If after the mess Peter made of things, they made him pope, then you go ahead. The point is that this is how the Lord is. That's the way he is. The Lord makes us mature with many meetings with him, even with our weakness, when we recognize them with our sins, unquote. And so uh, Peter sins all the time. He messes up all the time. And Jesus doesn't say, I've had enough with you. 
even though he's messed up, they still made him pope. He still pressed on because the Lord uses these sins, these failings to forgive him, to help him grow in maturity so that he can be the vessel that the Lord wants him to be. He doesn't remove him from office. Peter's sins do not disqualify him from his purpose. Peter understood that, and so did Paul. Go look at 2 Corinthians chapters 11 and 12. And Paul goes over his long, this corsus pudorum, the list of shame of all the things that he's encountered, his weaknesses, his failures, even being so scared that when they were coming after him, he had someone lift, lift, take him over the, 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 the gate, over the, the wall, so that he could escape. Peter, Paul was not perfect. And a lot of the times, the, the sufferings that Paul had to endure was a result of him with his big mouth, provoking people, making mistakes, being imprudent. But the Lord never said, Paul, you did it. You, you, you made the silversmiths in Ephesus mad at you, and they had a riot. So guess what? I'm finding someone else. No, he worked with Paul's imperfections. And in fact, as Paul then says in 2 Corinthians 12, that this is how the Lord decided to work with him. He let him have that thorn in his side so that it would keep him humble. My grace is sufficient for you, Jesus says, for power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, I would rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell in me. This is the logic. The Lord allows these weaknesses, these sins, these failures, so that the individual, Paul, Peter, all of us, can become more dependent on him. This is the logic of Christ. He does not take away our office. He does not take away our purpose and our mission and the fact that we're chosen because we sin. We cannot disqualify ourselves. I gave a retreat once called St. Peter and the Art of Failure, really sort of exploring this idea or this theme of Peter and his sinfulness and his weakness. And, and, and the title came from a work by Blessed Marie-Eugène de la Font-Jésus called Under the Torn of His Love. It's a blessed of the church now, a Carmelite friar who wrote a lot about St. Therese and Carmelite spirituality. And he's talking about Therese in a little way, because everything we've been talking about, accepting our own weakness, accepting our own fallenness, even our sinfulness, is a way to sort of draw us closer to Christ. And Christ doesn't just say, hey, get away. You've disqualified yourself. But we can use these things along with our virtues to draw closer to Christ, to become more dependent on his mercy that shines through in our weakness. And so there's one little quote here in this book called Under the Torn of His Love, where Marie-Eugène says, quote, Therese would even cultivate what we might call the art of failure. She would reform some action which turned out unsuccessful. She had been unfaithful. She would then say, if I had been faithful, I would receive the reward of merit. I was unfaithful. I am humiliated. I am going to receive the reward of my poverty and humiliation. Needless to say, she never sought unfaithfulness for its own sake. She never, she never unquote, unquote here, she never sought sin to say, oh, I'm going to go commit sin. I'm going to be unfaithful so I can grow closer. No, she had that goodwill. She had the right intention. She wanted to make the Lord happy, just as Peter did, just as Paul did. But she was weak and she was sinful. And so she learned to fail. The child who knows they're weak 
And when they fall and when they mess up, they run to the merciful arms of the Father. This is Teresa's little way. This is everything that we're trying to talk about here. And the lies that we believe that when we sin, that somehow we've disqualified ourselves. No, not at all. Just like with Peter, the Lord is waiting to show us his mercy, waiting to show us his love. I sort of want to conclude by sharing a reflection that came with this, this Sunday's Magnificat. Quite often they have the writing of a saint or some sort of a spiritual writer. And today they have sort of a reflection on this idea of our own weakness and our sin not disqualifying us from God's grace and our own mission and vocation, but actually how the Lord can use these things, even our sin, to draw us closest to him. And it's from Archbishop uh, Luis Maria Martinez, who was the, the first sort of archbishop in Mexico uh, and died in 1956. And it's sort of a, a longer section here, and I'm not going to give it all, but basically he talks about, is it possible that even our sin can work towards the good of those who love God? And he talks about it on sort of a large scale how the greatest work that God ever achieved was his, his passion, his death and resurrection. And what led to that? It was our sin. And even most immediately, it was the cowardice of Pilate. It was the cunning of Caiaphas. It was the, 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 the tyranny of the Caesars of the first few centuries of the church that led to all the martyrs. You had all of this evil, this sinfulness, but the Lord used it to bring about good. And so what Martinez says occurred on a large scale in history, it applies to the small scale in each soul. So I'll read you the sort of last paragraph. Quote, what God does on a large scale in history, he does on a small scale in each soul. One day in heaven, we shall understand the important role played in our sanctification by our frailties and our sins. And even though we regret having offended God, like, like St. Therese, we never want to sin just so that we can say we're going to get closer. No, the Lord knows our goodwill. And even though we regret having offended God, after all, perhaps we should paraphrase the words of the church. Oh, happy sins of mine that merited so great a redeemer. Oh, truly necessary faults for our failings humiliate us by revealing to us our nothingness. This is one of the main purposes for which God permits them, unquote. And so this is sort of the heart of the hopeful message that I'd really like to leave today. Do not believe the lie that when we sin, yes, fine, we, we hurt the Lord, we, we've pierced his heart, but that somehow we can do something to mess it up so bad that he is going to want to have nothing to do with us. He's going to remove our mission. We can choose to reject him. We can choose, like the older son, to say, I am not going to come into the house. But that's not just a sin. That is a deliberate refusal to receive the Lord's mercy, his tenderness, his love. But just like Peter, when we sin, when we fall, it doesn't disqualify us. It simply opens us up to receive in a more abundant way Christ's mercy and to be drawn closer to his sacred heart. Amen. Thank you.